Look with me into 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And so we're going to, we're building a foundation for biblical discipleship. Discipleship meaning growing closer to Christ. That's our goal, right? In our walk, our Christian walk is our goal. And there'll be parts of this that are not so fun, just to be honest. I have to pray for God to humble me to deliver these things because if we're not careful, pride will overtake our delivery because I'm, I know this. As, as the preacher, I know this. The devil will want you to think, well, this is too simple for me. Or I, I know this, I've heard this. The devil can, can, can prevent you from listening because he's throwing darts and trying to distract you because, well, I know this stuff. But a, a biblically-based foundation on the basics of the Word of God is essential for our walk with Christ. I need it. And, and I never get to a point, sorry if you were here Wednesday night, we're just we're kind of overlapping, but that's okay. I need discipleship. Discipleship, like I said, meaning growing to be more like Christ. And what's unfortunate is that in the church, there are so many people that there are, there's no church in general as a whole. There's no discipleship from the pulpit. There's no personal discipleship amongst the church. And there's no personal discipleship at home. There's no devotion. There's no study. There's no prayer. There's, there's no personal discipleship. And the thing is, it starts at home. For you to be the church member you need to be, for you to be the church visitor you need to be, you go play at different places and, and, and maybe you don't have a home church. If you go to church here or you, you go to church different places or you travel around and preach or travel around and sing, whatever it is, it's your responsibility to disciple yourself. Using this word as your guide to show you and direct you on how you live, how you walk, what's right, what's wrong. And, and, and what happens if you're seeking truth in the Word of God, then you're allowing the Holy Spirit to have free reign in your life to correct you. You see, there are a lot of people that try to be disciples of Christ, but they're not redeemed. There's a lot of lost people that try to be disciples of Christ, but they've never been saved. And that's a problem. And that will prevent you from being discipled. you got to know Jesus. We've said that. On the other side of things, there's a lot of Christians that have been saved for year, years, 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 and years, and years that they are never discipled because they don't spend time with Jesus. Then what we do is we like to blame the leadership of the church, the preacher, and the deacons for not doing their job when we don't do what we're supposed to do at home. told you this is going to be fun. The reality is, is I have been that person that didn't study, didn't pray, didn't spend time with God. The only time I'd crack up my, open my Bible is when I was preparing a Sunday school lesson. Can I get an old me there? That was the only time I'd open my Bible is when I needed to do something. Or, as I've said before, I'm sorry if you were here, but it's the truth. When I got mad about something, I needed to go find something in the Bible to make me feel okay about myself. Amen? Amen. Thank you, two people. So, what we're looking at this morning is where we were before Jesus and, and what he did to bring us into the fold, make us part of his family. He adopted us 
And he adopted us, but he laid upon us, even as we heard out of the, we heard in our lesson this morning, uh, he adopted us and he made us his own. And he treats us like his own. But it all starts the foundation of where we were before Christ. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 4. In whom the who? Read this with me. Sorry. You say amen when you find your place. I told you 2 Corinthians, I didn't tell you verse chapter 4. Read this with me. In whom the who? God of this world. Notice, God is a little g, amen? Who's the God of this world? Satan. Satan's the God of this world. Hath what? Blinded. The minds of them which what? Believe not. Lest the what? Light. Of the glorious gospel of who? Christ. Who is the image of God should what? Shine unto them. So we look this morning of where we are before Christ, building the foundation of biblical discipleship. You see, if I want to, people want to become like Jesus, and, and yet they don't in their walk with, with Christ because they won't walk with Jesus, and they won't learn about Jesus and who he is. And, and I've heard it explained recently of how beautiful it is that the Bible uh, defines itself. It, it comments on itself. It complements itself. And one pastor even recommended how you could read the word back, word backwards and how uh, the, the epistles reflect on the, the gospels and they, they kind of explain and they confirm and they, they expound on the gospels. And it's a beautiful thing of how the Bible confirms itself. And what do we find the central character of the entire word of God to be? Jesus. He is the central character of the entire word of God. <laughs> I heard a thing, now, if you, if you follow it enough, you know you've maybe heard. AD, uh, B.C. and A.D., before Christ and after death, amen? That's what everybody believed until Neil deGrasse Tyson decided he had the britches to come and change it. He calls it com, uh, common era and before common era. And I heard somebody say, well, who do you think ushered in the common era? Jesus Christ. He is the center of the entirety of history. And if you look back through history, history will tell you that. You go read secular historical books and you find that Jesus upon the cross, Roman rule, and the Greek language being ushered into to humanity, that is the center point of all of, Amer of American history. USA, sorry. That's the, I love, hey, that's the center point of American history. But he is the center point of the entirety of history, Jesus Christ. The cross lays in the very center of from the beginning to the very day that we live in today. In the center you find Jesus Christ. Read the word of God. You go to the intertestamental period and you start in the New Testament. We get right into hearing about Jesus Christ. He is the center point. The end of the Old Testament, they're prophesying his return. They're, they're prophesying of, how, or of his birth and they're prophesying of how he will come and how he will, will get his children and how he will redeem them from exile and how he'll do all these amazing things. And then guess what? It happens. But how do we have excitement about Jesus if we don't know that, if we don't study that, if we don't dwell on that? How do we have excitement? I, I get so excited, especially in the book of Isaiah. 
how Isaiah, we, we were talking, witness to a Jewish man at one point in time. And I used Isaiah 53 as my, as my text. Because guess what? That's his text too. That text is talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. My, probably my favorite chapter in the whole word of God, Isaiah 53. And how just point after point, Isaiah prophesies Jesus' uh, birth, life, death, resurrection. I mean, he, he prophesies all the way down to where he will be buried. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. If anything would convince a Jew, hey, it might not be the gospel, but it's the gospel that's in the Old Testament. What a beautiful thing. I get so excited about it. I mean, I'm overbearing. I'm like, man, do you know the truth of Isaiah 53? I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's exciting. It's wonderful. And there's some people that are just like, whew, you're crazy. No, I'm excited because Jesus is in Isaiah 53. We should be excited about these things. But we can't be excited about these things if we don't know these things. And we, many of us know these things, but how much time do we spend in these things? How much time do we spend and we take the Word of God and we, we dwell upon the Word of God and we, we man, you know what a cow does when it, when it eats? Chews cud. I mean, you take the Word of God and you can just break it down and break it down and break it down and chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. It's a beautiful thing. But so many people can't be where they want to be with Jesus and they can't figure out why they can't get where they want to be without Jesus. And I guarantee you, only you know, you and God know, it's probably because you're not spending time with Jesus. You've got to spend time with him. It, that's a tale old as time. You have to spend time with him if you expect yourself to be walking where you need to be. Also, now, when you, when you this, this scripture, scripture and text is talking about being blinded by the God of this world. Now, that's under the days and the times where you are lost and you don't know Jesus. You are blinded spiritually. You don't know. You don't have the capability to understand. And, and, and through the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you begin to realize that you're wrong. You begin to, begin to realize that you're a sinner. You begin to realize that you need Jesus. You begin to realize that you need to be saved. And what happens? It's like light shines down, as this verse talks about. Light shines down upon you and reveals to you that you're wrong. And then you must make the choice. Do you accept the light shining that is Jesus Christ. I, I've told you before, this corner chair Wednesday evenings, if I can get over here before service, I love this corner chair, especially late summer because or, or uh, as we begin into the time change, the sun will begin to go down and I will see this picture of our Savior. Now don't think I'm so holy. I'm also worried about all kinds of other things, stress, and I need Jesus' forgiveness. I'm not over here, you know, perfect, but... It's a beautiful thing to sit there with whatever anxiety that I have and I see our Savior with the light of heaven shining down upon him and the light that God created shining through this light upon me. There's something to get excited about this morning. But guess what? You won't get there unless you're walking with Jesus. That's the point. It's he has revealed to you the beauty and his love and his graciousness and his greatness. I ain't ever preached over here. He is, he's revealed to you all these amazing things and he's shining the light down from heaven. Light that even the sun can't create. Only his sun can create. He shines that light down upon us. And Christian, we're not blinded again. 
but we're cold. Or we're lukewarm. God doesn't like those things. And so what I hope to achieve in this year, the theme of 2024 being faithfully moving forward, walking hand in hand with Jesus Christ, what it's going to take is us saying, I realize that this light has been shown down upon me, but I must choose each day going forward to let that light shine upon me. See, Christian, you can just be put in the junk drawer somewhere. And it wasn't God that put you there, was it? It was you that put you there. I've been in that junk drawer. Just not useful. You go see a man's toolbox. Got your wrenches, your sockets, power tools, screwdrivers, specialty tools. Especially if you work on Ford, you got two or three specialty toolboxes. <laughs> Dwayne Holbert, amen. Every man's got a drunk drawer in his toolbox. Can I get an amen? More times than not, junk gets stuck in there and you never see it till you, you die and your kids get it out. I don't want to be in the junk drawer. I don't want to be, I want to be useful. I want to be somewhere where I'm seen. God, use me. I want to be, I'm, I'm in the screwdriver drawer. I'm screwy. But I'm useful somewhere, I hope. I don't want to just toss myself to the place where I'm not useful. What I'm saying is your Christian walk determines how useful you are to God. And it's up to you. It's not God's fault that you're not useful. So it, it requires us to say, Lord, you've shown your beautiful light upon me. If you're saved today, you're, you've got an advantage because you're not in darkness spiritually anymore. But you may be cold and indifferent. And that's a problem too. You see, you know what would change Mountain View Baptist Church? Hey, Mountain View Baptist Church is great. But the thing is, if you're not progressing, if you're not growing, if you're not learning, if you're not, not, not uh, experiencing, if you're not taking new challenges and doing new things, you're dying. And I think we're growing. I think we're learning. I think we're, I think we're moving forward. But you know what continues those things? Is if we make ourselves useful to him. That's what it requires. I'm going to put myself somewhere I'm useful. I'm not, I don't want to put myself somewhere to be found Oh, you, st you still go here? Man, you get in the car and tell your wife, like, man, I, I didn't even realize they were still around. And I don't mean that against anybody, but understand what I'm saying is your usability to God is your visibility to the, other, to the church. It doesn't matter. You, you, come, you come to church just to save face or show people. That, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your usability to God. Man, I see that person, and I see those tears, and I, I see that hand raised, and I see the excitement, and I hear, man, they're coming around. They're talking about how excited they are about Isaiah 53. I'm excited too. Praise the Lord. That's your visibility. If you're not careful, you'll just be in the junk drawer. I've been that person. That has been me. I put myself there. And you see, I had no business in the dark because he has shown his light upon me. I want to be useful for him. So first we think this morning about before he shines his light upon us, we're spiritually blind. We're blind. What is, you ever run across lost people and you feel just the evil on them? I worked downtown Asheville three and a half years. I know that. I feel it. I've, I've experienced it. 
but I've experienced it in tuxedo. I've seen it in Lester. The darkness of lost people sometimes. Now, there's some lost people you think, man, I'd have thought they was a Christian if they hadn't told me whatever. That's, that's sad. That's a shame. And then there's some Christians you think, man, I'd have thought they was the devil if they hadn't have told me they was a Christian. And I have my doubts about that. You see, that's what happens before Christ, or that's the state you're in before Jesus, is you're blind. Some people get, get upset about what the world does. People on TV, movie stars, public figures. I think we're holding the world to a high expectation. Why would we expect the world to do anything different but be the world? Then we get upset about the world's, what the world's doing and we're told that they're blind by the God of this world. Yet we don't hold the same standard to the church. And the church ain't blind. I'm all over the place, but it's good stuff. The next thing before Jesus, we're not only blind, we're, of course, lost in sin, and we're guilty before God. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And in John 3.36, he says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son, Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. You see, Christian, when we're a saved Christian, looking back to these things, looking back to where we were before Jesus, it should bring thankfulness and joy and rejoicing to our hearts. When where we were before, do you remember where you were? Do you remember where you were before he found you? I was a mess. You say, you was a seven-year-old boy. See, the thing is, the difference was, I was a seven-year-old boy realizing I was going to go to hell if I didn't get saved. And you realize when that's the case, all of your iniquity and all of your sin, you will be held accountable for that sin. Even if you're seven, that's the beauty of the age of accountability. You realize it, and you're like, my goodness, I'm going to die and go to hell. But what is that verse, Luke 19, 10? For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. What a beautiful thing that when I realize I'm lost, there's one seeking. There's one calling out to me. There's one looking for me. So you're lost and you're guilty before God, even as we see in John 3.36 there, for the, but the wrath of God abideth on him, those that uh, do not believe. We're guilty before God and all of your sin, the sin that you're born with, you are held responsible for those sins without Christ. And it is a debt you cannot repay. I mean... You don't stand before God. I got a visa here. And, uh, oh, that's a good one. That's the church credit card right there. God don't take the church credit card. It means nothing to him. Well, hold on. I've got a MasterCard here. Let me check my balance before we do any business here. But, uh, no, I, you don't accept that? Well, I've got a, I've got a farm burger gift card. You see, I can't, I can't bargain with God. When I stand before God, if I do not know Jesus, I will be held 100% responsible for my sins. And the beauty is that he sent his son Jesus Christ 
to come and redeem those that were, those were lost so that I could stand before God with the authority of Jesus Christ and say, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ that I do not deserve. And he says, enter in. And it's not because of me. It's because of Jesus. But if you stand before Christ, or if you stand before God, the blood of Christ is on your hands if you have not accepted him. And that's a terrible, terrible place to be. So before Jesus, we're spiritually blind, we're lost in, in sin, and we're guilty before God. But we see in John 3, 36, once again, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. You see, remember when Adam sinned in the garden? God comes and confronts him about his sin. What does he tell him? He tells him that he would die. He, he becomes more, he, he's, a, he, he's cursed with sin at that point in time, and his mortal body would, would decay. And, and, and there's a realization that he, hey, this, this body's gonna die, but guess what? There's life. There's life that's offered. And that life today, Jesus Christ. And it's the same simple story, the same simple truth, the same. Simple action, the same simple thing. The same thing that has redeemed countless for thousands of years. It's the same story and the same formula that still works today. If this world continues to turn for a thousand years, it'll be the same Savior in a thousand years, two thousand years, five thousand. He does not change. Doesn't. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He existed before the creation of the world. I, I can't understand that, but I believe that with my whole heart, that he existed. He was not created. He is creator. And we can see Jesus all the way back in the story of Adam. And they realized their nakedness and their sin, and God went and sacrificed an animal to cover their sins. Just the same Jesus Christ laid down his life to cover our sins, to cover our nakedness, our iniquity, our wrongdoing. But have no doubt, he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Life being eternal. We're not promised tomorrow on this earth, but we all know we are eternal beings. Our soul will exist for eternity. And if I stand before God without the blood of Christ applied to my soul, I will stand to God, before God guilty and responsible for my sin and the death of Christ. And thank God for his mercy. That he saw fit. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While, I love that verse. While we were yet sinners. See, that teaches me about the love of Christ. How do we bring that back to discipleship? Well, he loves us so much. He commends his love towards us. He cares for us. He, he laid down his life for us. He, he seeks us. He pursues us. He desires a relationship with us. Yet Christians, so many times, after we receive life, we become cold and we don't pursue him. We don't pursue him. And it's a shame. It's a shame. People have told me, when I got married, pursue your wife. Date your wife. Enjoy it. And... All, about all I know how to do is flirt, and I'm not that good at it. I mean, she married me. I was good at it at one point in time. But I try, hey, keep it up. 
I love you. Looking good today. She's like, I got a bird's nest on top of my head. Never seen you more beautiful. Pursue that relationship. I mean, enjoy it. It's the same thing with our relationship with Christ. Enjoy your relationship with him. Pursue that relationship with him. You see, the thing is, and I didn't think I would say this this morning. The Lord's been dealing with me about a thought. We're the bride of Christ, amen? Do you realize that when we're in sin, we're in infidelity in that relationship? We are in an infidelity. We are sinning. We've, we've gone to bed with something else. We've, we've laid ourselves down beside something else. When we are in sin, we're being unfaithful to that relationship with our Savior. Think about that. Dwell on that thought. And it breaks his heart, Christian. When we're not faithful to him. And yet his love, he knows we won't be faithful to him. And he chooses to love us anyway. And he forgives us and he brings us back in. And he, he, he dresses us up and puts rings on our fingers and shoes on our feet and welcomes us right in. The prodigal son couldn't even get everything he had to say out of his mouth before his father clothed him and called for the fatted calf. That's how he loves us. Pursue him. Lord, I want to be where you want me to be. I want to follow after you. I want to become more like you. And please pray for him to work on you. That's been the hardest prayers I've ever prayed, but the greatest lessons I've ever learned. Lord, take that light, that light that we read about in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Take that light of your son. And through your Holy Spirit, you show me and you search. The, the psalmist talks about searching in me. You search in me the right and the wrong. And Lord, you show me where I'm wrong. You show me where I'm wrong. I love steak. Don't you? Praise the Lord. I love New York strip steak. There's just, but there's a point with fat on a New York strip steak. There's a point with fat. I don't like it. You get too much fat. Now, I'm going to have some fat. I mean, obviously. <laughs> but spiritually speaking, I'm flesh. There's going to be some stuff I can't get rid of. But there's a lot of junk I carry around could be cut off. Seek the Lord. Say, Lord, search me and show me where I need to trim. Show me where I need to get rid of some stuff. Show me what I need to, to get rid of in my life. And he will. If you urgent, if you, if you, uh, 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 in, intentionally seek him to show you where you're wrong, he will. But you better be serious about it because he'll start showing you stuff you might not be ready to get rid of. He'll, you'll, you'll go after him. knowing You'll know you have sin. Lord, show me. Deal with me. And he'll show you stuff you was trying to hide from God. I was, telling, I was talking to Sam Wednesday night. I was talking about how the other night, me and Jeremy might have been up at the same time tossing and turning. I, had to get, I got to the point, I had to pray, Lord, just, just hold me in your arms. Just hold me in your arms. And I was talking to Sam, and I said, you know, I could have just walked away, and I, I think I mentioned it Wednesday night, I could have just walked away and went over in the corner, and I'd have been by myself, and Sam mentioned how God knows our hearts no matter what. We, we start to walk away and hide it from him. We're not hiding it. We're not hiding anything. God God confronted Cain over there when, after he killed Abel. He asked him what he had done, but God already knew what he had done. I mean, 
God knows. So why not give it to him? God knows where you're wrong. The stuff you try to hide, the deepest, darkest depth of, depths of your heart, God knows what's there. He knows. And you can try to hide it. You can cover it up. I saw a, I saw a, a thing on the internet. A guy went to do some renovations on a house he had bought. Tore the drywall out. And liquor bottles fell out of the dry, out, out of the between the studs and covered the floor. Now, when that guy bought that house, he didn't know that was there. And I mean, like a like you sitting on the beach, wave. I don't know how this guy was living. I guess he just throwing them somewhere. I don't know how he even got them back there. It's amazing. And ain't that so true about sin? It gets there. We think we're hiding it. God knows it's hidden. God knows where it's at. He's got your number. You have nothing hidden from him. And all he wants us to do is just repent. And as Christ said often, go and sin no more. He wants us to repent. He'll forgive us. And he wants us to walk away changed. That's another issue in discipleship in the church is that people don't walk away changed. I'm wrapping up here. It will be by the time I'm retired that we get all this done because I've not got, I haven't got through one message in three services. But that's okay. I hope. Tell me if I'm wrong. 